0: Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim
1: and Shannon.
0: It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective. We are still in the city of Spokane Valley this Tuesday episode. And it's important that listeners hear these shows because ballots are probably still in hand unless you've filled them out and sent them in. So you need to make sure you go to RightSpokanePerspective.com or go to your favorite podcast service and grab our past interviews with candidates, share them with people that live in those districts. We need to get people to turn out and vote. We only have a representative government if people turn out to vote because the representative government we have represents those who show up. So make sure you get those ballots turned in. So our interview today is with Rachel Briscoe. She is running in the city of Spokane Valley. We're going to have her on in just a moment after some inspiration.
1: Our inspiration today is talking about mercy for you and me. One of the consequences of the COVID-19 pandemic was the docking of cruise ships and the quarantining of passengers. The Wall Street Journal featured an article that included interviews of some of the tourists. Commenting about how being quarantined provided more opportunities for conversations, one passenger joked about how his spouse, who possessed an excellent memory, was able to bring up every transgression he ever had and since she wasn't done yet. Accounts like this might make us smile, remind us of our humanness, and serve to caution us if we're prone to hold too tightly to the things we should release. Yet what helps us to be kindly disposed to those who hurt us? Glimpses of our great God as he portrayed in passages like Psalms 103, 8-12. through 12. The messages rendering of verses 8-10 through 10 is noteworthy. God is sheer mercy and grace, not easily angered. He's rich in love. He doesn't endlessly nag or scold, nor hold grudges forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pay us back in full for our wrongs. Asking for God's help as we prayerfully read scripture can cause us to have second thoughts about ill-conceived payback or plans to punish. And it can prompt prayers for ourselves and for those we may be tempted to harm by withholding grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Heavenly Father and God of mercy, kindness and forgiveness, please help us to extend grace and mercy to those who have caused us pain. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Grace and mercy. What a interesting set of topics that for especially the last couple of weeks we've been talking about criminal justice that of course some folks are saying there's too much grace and mercy and not enough justice uh, so i guess at this point in time citizens for the most part in the catch and release or community custody world of criminal justice we have to be we have to dispose of that uh, frustration and just extend grace for now until justice seems to, to be on the forefront of, of being served. And I think that we have local government that is looking at that. I know the city of Spokane Valley has looked at that as well as the city of Spokane, and there is a measure on the ballot talking about criminal justice in measure one. But we're going to jump into a conversation with Rachel Briscoe from the city of Spokane Valley. And uh, folks, if you didn't hear the first interview, go grab the podcast from a couple of months ago where she introduced herself and her family to the audience there. Uh, So today we just want to jump into her experience as a candidate to start off with. So what's the campaign trail been like? Has it been bumpy, lots of twists and lots of turns, or pretty pretty nice and grassy?
2: Well, it's been somewhere in between and all of the above. Um, you know, I feel like anyone who's never experienced elected office um, or campaigning for elected office should either get more involved and just run for office themselves or participate in a campaign at some point. The There are things that you just won't learn in books, right? Like we were talking about earlier, there's just things you won't learn in books or even from a secondhand account about civic engagement and the beauty of our constitutional republic, what democracy actually looks like in action, unless you're out there doing it, you're knocking on the doors, you're talking to people, whether they want to talk to you or not. Um, you're you know, asking for the donation, you're connecting with people who you know, may or may not endorse you. There's just so much about this process that, you have to, uh, you have to lose a lot of your, yourself along the way in the sense of, okay, who did I, who did I think I was and what did I think I was capable of? Oh, now I'm, I'm way more capable of things that I didn't even know were possible. Right. And that's one of those, uh, um, what is that? There's like a phenomenon like the vacuum salesman thing where you want to get really good at a lot of things. Go get rejected a hundred times in a row. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. One, it's interesting process too. I remember campaigning and my first job out of high school after I got my driver's license was pizza delivery. So I thought, Mm -hmm. I know every inch of this city. You know, you tell me what street it is. Give me the address. Yeah. It's three houses down from the corner on the left-hand side. You know, I was that good. So I'm like, I know this city as I grew into an adult. And then I went and campaigned. Of course we don't all take the same way to work every day. Sometimes we take a different Mm -hmm. route back, but that doesn't mean you know every intersection. I was sign waving and I'm like, wow, now I know why they're complaining about this right. intersection yeah. uh, at rush hour. So you learn things that you didn't know before and you have citizens approach you with issues that you didn't realize were such a, a big thing for a certain 100%. community.
2: I, going into this, I had made an assumption that the number one issue on people's minds would be public safety. And not that it's not an important issue, but time and time again, I have actually been really astounded. The thing people keep bringing up is housing. Now- not just housing for um homeless right not just that but any facet of housing so i've talked to people who are current homeowners and they're concerned about their neighborhood neighborhood getting more congested right or i've or because the apartment building going up in the lot behind them or when well, you had that
0: new state law that was passed that said that every city lot has to afford
2: 4 to 6 per
0: City, you know, government, the the local government no longer has zoning power because every residential lot, you can have four to six parts, basically structures, you know, Mm -hmm. on a city parcel, which does seem kind of crowded. And that's not every community uh, thinks that that's the way that they should have zoning done. It should be done at the local level.
2: Um, so some of the bills that I really would like the listeners to research more on their own, just to understand how it's going to actually affect their community. Um, and so that when you are going to city council meetings or having conversations with your neighbors, you can actually refer to these. So I know there's house bill 1110. Oh, I'm, I might butcher some of these, um, state or, uh, SB 5829. I have them written down in my notebook somewhere, but there are three main ones. There's one about ADUs. There's one about, um, condos. And then there's one about the multiplexes, right? The four to six plex residential zoning, multifamily housing, yeah. And I I get the, so what I was saying is a lot of the conversations I've been having are homeowners who are worried about the congestion because of these things that are coming down the pipeline. People who are renting, who are paying more in rent than most people are paying in their mortgages, Mm -hmm. right? And they also can't control that. So their rent goes up every year. And our, in, our, in our construction business, we work primarily with investors and landlords, and I know that they get a bad rep, and I'm there's shady people everywhere, right, in every industry, in every nook and cranny. However, most of the people that we've worked with over the last 12 years of owning this business are people who are feeding their kids just like you and I. They're people who are wanting to keep their lights on just like you and I. They're trying to diversify. They're trying to create wealth for the next generation, right? These aren't bad people just trying to rip off renters. So I get where there's that frustration of wanting to point the blame somewhere. But I mean, everything's affected by everything, right? We could get into inflation. We could get into all of that. But in these conversations, there's renters who are concerned about not being able to afford to buy a home. And then there's also people who are maybe one or two things away, decisions or circumstances away from being homeless. Right. And and they don't know what to do. So there's been a whole lot of, of different perspectives, but Housing has been the number one thing that people are bringing up, whether it be at the town halls I've hosted or knocking on doors um, or, you know, running into brand new business owners uh, and, you know, they find out I'm running for office and, uh, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, you know, how's it been and this and that and what do you know about this? And they all immediately want to talk about housing in some form or fashion.
0: Well, and the cost of housing has skyrocketed in the recent decades because I I look at, housing. And you can go back, you can go to the assessor's office. You can go back and look at what houses sold for just 15 and 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. People were buying houses that were in great shape, green yards, perfect for, you know, 80, 90, 100,000. And now that same house in poor condition is like 275.
2: Hasn't been updated since it was $80,000. No no new carpet, no new flooring, no new paint, no No, nothing.
0: It it could be the same... Structure, but with a couple cracked windows, a bad door, bad flooring, Siding's and that hundred thousand yeah. dollar house is now two hundred seventy. So it's not, and it's not just inflation, uh for the sense of money and mm-hmm. and what our money can buy, but looking at state government, local government, the costs and fees. It's my understanding thirty percent of the cost of building a house is governmental costs, hookup fees, and all that sort of thing. And then you have the cost of materials. I look at the price of diesel, the price of gasoline. Contractors drive trucks. Mm-hmm. To haul dirt, it takes dump trucks. And if diesel is almost $6 a gallon, it takes a lot to dig out that basement and remove that dirt.
2: It does. And just today, literally today, my husband and I spent the majority of the day with one of our um, business coaches going through and figuring out, okay, we got to work out the numbers because our our margins are so razor thin that I don't even think that we're making money right now in one of our businesses. And, and I mean, our business, we generate a lot of income, but we still have to be able to draw ourselves to be able to pay for our lives. We have employees, we're hiring another one this week, right? Like the need is there and the growth is there, but we just had to map out and figure out our numbers. And I mean, because we literally just figured this out today, I'm baffled that, the prices, we're going to have to start slowly increasing them because we don't want to also put that burden on our clients. We care about them, but we're going to have to start slowly increasing these monthly, probably for the next six months until we can get to a place where, and then who knows what things will cost then, right? right.
0: Well, and that's the thing with landlords too. You've, you've got these government regulations, you, know, you can't, even if you have a good tenant that might be able to fix that you know, simple P-trap plumbing problem. Mm-hmm. You really, you kind of have to set up a system. And then if there's a problem at all, you call a plumber. While it used to, you know, you used to be able to get a plumber to come out and fix a P-trap for 60, 70 bucks just to get the plumber to show up is 120 Hundreds now. of dollars, yes. Because yes. the cost yeah. of the fuel, the cost of taxes, labor, you know, all this, all this stuff. So when people look at the price of things and think this is absurd, well, we have to look at the whole picture and I, I don't know that there's a good way for government to reduce those prices without reducing burdens. A lot of folks don't see that the unnecessary increase in fuel prices is why lumber so expensive, yeah. right? And food is so expensive. So some of those necessary things. I got a quick trivia question. I don't know if you've got an answer. But I remember doing construction when you could get a sheet of 7 16ths OSB, which you can use mm-hmm. on roofing, yeah. for six ninety nine. dollars and i'm not that old 699 it's like 22 bucks it, now. no
2: it's yeah it's easily over $20 um it's crazy it, it is crazy and the thing is is that our renters are landlords they're not going to home depot and pricing us out every day like we are so mm-hmm. we can tell them individually oh the price has gone up 220% right but they think, "Oh, the difference between 699 and 22 dollars, well, okay, so that's like 15-16 bucks. That's not that much." That's one piece of material over the course of an entire home or apartment building or condo, and we can't expect that the cost of of housing is going to go down if the cost of building is going to keep going up. Oh yeah. Right? And Oh yeah,
0: I saw the 2 by 4 prices like 4 years ago. And then you look at them now, you're like scratching at them, like there's gold in there somewhere. Right, there has to be. Is this a golden
2: ticket opportunity? But you look at this and you just think, okay, we know, we see that there is a problem, but like you were alluding to, how do we actually get to the root of that problem? And I've been really blessed to have incredible conversations with some of our local organizations like associated builders and contractors and the home builders association and being able to have these conversations with them and think, okay, even as contractors, right? We've been doing this for over a decade, we still don't have all the answers because we're not all, we're also not legislatures. We're business owners, right? right? Exactly. But who are the people who have that person who has that legislative ear, right? Who's who's involved in those things and they're having those conversations? What can we do to to be able to bring in that expertise, right? Because as a council member, I don't want to know all the answers. I want to know the people that I can build those relationships with who can help us find the solution.
0: Well, and- and Building, you know, those bids used to last six months. Now, because of the cost of everything and how crazy the environment has become, Uh, they're only good for about 30 days. We were talking about the cost of building and expenses, you know, people struggling out there. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we struggle with, you know, taxes, the health insurance. There's so many things that people got to pay for out there and, and juggling their personal lives businesses have to do the same thing. Uh, What are your thoughts about, you know, business in the city of Spokane Valley, and then maybe we'll go into some criminal justice things.
2: Yeah, I, you know, it's been so interesting being a business owner these last 12 years. And even one of our other businesses, we run the Spokane Ladies Business Community, um, me and my two business partners. And so that we serve Spokane County and some Kootenai County and, but it's interesting to hear the perspective of these business owners who either are remote business owners or brick and mortar, right? They've got a location somewhere and uh, honestly, it's, it's all connected Crime is one of the things that's on the forefront of people's minds when they're thinking about running their business. I would say cost is is number one. Um, and a lot of that is like the regulations that are being passed down from Olympia um, or even passed down from a federal level where as business owners, we just have to either eat that cost, figure it out, adapt, and by the grace of God, keep going. Because I swear every other week, we're just like, shut it down. <laughs> let's be done. Anyone hiring? Yeah. Let's, right. just, let's just go the other way, right? Well, then
0: there's kind of a uh, it's really just like a you see something the most that's what you believe the problem is so with theft and business most people think oh it's retail theft you know right. people see things on the internet social media of people just you know walking in with garbage bags stealing retail goods but it's not just retail establishments if you're a contractor those very same people that are fueling their drug habits with stolen goods are stealing the copper they're stealing your power tools yeah. they're, if it isn't well even if it's bolted down now they're taking it
2: Oh yeah there's nothing's off limits but I would say the biggest things that we've noticed being uh, technically I guess we're remote workers because we do we our, our job sites are all over the place right but I would say the biggest things that we've noticed with crime in our business specifically is Let me uh, guess
0: building materials
2: being stolen yeah uh, yes that and squatters. Oh, yes. So because of a lot of the uh, units that we work on tend to be more lower income areas, Um, a lot of the investors that we work with, right, that's usually what they go for. But we're blessed that we work with investors who actually want to make it nice, not just slap paint on it and then turn it over for a profit. They genuinely want to make beautiful places for families who are struggling to be able to live. So that's one of the reasons we like working with the people we work with as well. But yeah, squatters have been a big issue um, to the point where I'm like, all right, babe, time to carry. When, when you're going to job sites. right? Oh, it can be right? yeah. It can yeah, be.
0: Yeah, you go into a place and it's a job site, there's no furniture, you're redoing all the flooring. And yep. the... somebody
2: comes out of the closet. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. Or you
0: find somebody passed out in the closet.
2: He has found, uh, it was just over the course of a weekend, right, because we're on job sites Monday through Friday. We do on-call things throughout the weekends, but, you know, he shows up on a Monday morning and... A handful of people had moved into this little storage shed behind this unit and he's by himself because it's a Monday morning and you just think, oh, I'm going to work, right? But this is an issue. This is an issue that we're running into. But another thing that we're seeing is not necessarily theft, but we're hearing from a lot of business owners who are worried about nuisance behavior because it's driving away business. If I'm in the car with my kids and I drive up to a, a store or a shop somewhere whether it be the Valley Spokane, doesn't matter where, but I see some people who make me uncomfortable or I feel like, um, I'm not caring right now. I've got my kids with me. Do I actually need what I was going to go in there for? Or do I buy it online? Well, you buy it
0: online or or maybe go down the road and buy it somewhere else.
2: Exactly. And that's not fair to that business owner. Right. But there are things that, I mean, there's so many different ideas. In fact, um, is uh, he and I've had a lot of conversations leading up to this election where no matter what happens, right, no matter who the voters choose, I'm not going anywhere. These are things that still need to be done. But one of the things that we've come up with a lot in conversation is he's got these amazing ideas around community resource officers. right? If we can work it out, and even this ties into measure one, which people are seeing on their ballots right now as they're listening to this, but this ties into that as well, where if we were able to have designated officers who have specific areas, right? Residential, commercial, but that is their space. That is literally their job. Not, oh, 50% patrol, 50% this. It's like, no, this is their neighborhood. They know the crime trends. They know the people, right? They can drive down the street. They know who lives there. That car's not supposed to be there. That car's been here too long, right? Those types of things.
0: They they know the quirks, the ins and outs of the neighborhood. They see trends of criminal activity. They can be more
2: proactive that way. They
0: know where the graffiti artists like to go.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so if we can have that kind of focused effort and you know, of course, it's going to take more resources. Of course, it's going to take time. It's not just something we can snap our fingers and make happen. But if somebody who was elected by a lot, you know, is a trusted person that the voters chose to be in this role as a sheriff has ideas that he's seen work or he knows could work in our community. I'm on board, right? That's one of those things where I'm not going to know everything about criminal justice. I'm not going to know everything about being proactive. But if I can build a relationship with somebody who Is telling me this is what could work and this is what could really make a difference that feels like the right route to go in that's right for businesses as well
0: well and when you're in business and we should look at government the same way sometimes trying new things if they're well thought out can be a good idea but sometimes if the wheel's not broke don't replace it right? right don't reinvent it this is something that works let's improve it let's polish it up a little bit But let's not reinvent the wheel because that's really costly and the consequences are really high. And we've seen that done a lot with criminal justice. Yeah,
2: I agree. And that's one of the reasons why I'm such a big fan of our sheriff's contract that we have. Um, I know not everybody agrees with that. And I mean, that's what's beautiful about living in the country we live in. Have all the opinions, right? But ultimately, when you're elected, you are responsible for representing what the people want done with their tax dollars. And obviously it's never going to be a hundred percent consensus on what to be done, but being able to look at the big picture and, and educate the electorate on that, Mm -hmm. say, this is why we're making this decision. All the transparency in the world, we've got nothing to hide. We're not going to try to make a decision behind closed doors. We're not going to try to package it up this way and do it this way that there are, there are things that are necessary to give you the things that are necessary for you. Like feeling safe in your own neighborhood, in your own home, having as a business owner, knowing that people can pull up into your parking lot, get out of their car and walk into your store without having to wonder if they're going to get mugged or get hurt or get stalked or whatever that looks like. And you know, what's, what's nice about where we live in the Valley is that this isn't something that's happening so often that it's become its own little epidemic, right? But it's happening often enough. And based on the trends we're seeing in Spokane, and we know that there's this invisible border, it's not like criminals come up to the border and they're like, oh, I can't go commit crimes in Spokane Valley.
0: To some extent, there is only in the sense that there's different governing bodies. There's Mm -hmm. a different attitude in the city of Spokane. So it is kind of an invisible border that the criminals know that the county sheriff's office, who the city of Spokane Valley has a contract with, deals with crime a little differently than the city of Spokane Police because of the political narratives of the city council in the city of Spokane.
2: hundred percent. And and Sheriff Knowles has made that clear that one of the biggest issues that they face is how are they going to be able to hire new officers after all this defund the police narrative that came out and anybody who leans in that direction, why would they want to come into that? Right. And then we've got this big um, outpouring of people who are retiring out of the force, right. In the next or that's already happened over the next few years Mm -hmm. and being able to bring more people in, but we're not, that's not special to us. This is across the nation.
0: Well, and if you're like over in the Seattle area and you look at Bellevue, you look at these other cities, we are in an interesting place here in the city of Spokane, Spokane, city of Spokane Valley, Spokane County. It says Spokane in it. How are you going to get somebody from like Michigan, you know, these lateral hires, law enforcement that mm-hmm. moved to a new community, you know, to be closer to maybe other relatives, you know, in-laws, something like that. And they're like, no, I'm not going to Spokane. Look what's going on in the city of Spokane. Oh, no, no, no. We're moving to the city of Spokane Valley. I'm going to the sheriff's office. Yeah, they not, don't know the yeah. difference, right? Yeah, I don't. mean,
2: someone from another state doesn't know the difference, but I agree with Sheriff Knowles when he says... The way that the city supports their law enforcement, the narrative that they promote with their citizens makes a difference. Oh, yeah. It (laughs) makes a big difference. And so I think that in the the city of Spokane Valley, we do a really great job um, with supporting our officers and um, lifting them up versus trying to criminalize them ourselves or point fingers. Well, Um, I want
0: to go back to the the, the discussion and. about having your own police department Mm -hmm. because I put a lot of thought into that interviewing all of the city of Spokane Valley candidates and I look at this the city of Spokane and obviously we share the offices we share the jail we share you know so much space the locker rooms I think for our law enforcement you know that's not very practical for the city of Spokane Valley if you guys created your own police department that's a long ways to the the place to book them in jail. So now do you got to have your own jail. You got to have, so there's a huge discussion that when it's people want to yeah, start that, it's, it's, more, it's more than so just expensive. having
2: your own people think, Oh, we need our own police force. Let's just find some people. Or we've heard people say, Oh, the people who are currently working in the Valley from the sheriff's office will just come over and be a part of this one. Not necessarily. No, not necessarily. A lot of those men and women probably want to continue to work for the sheriff and not necessarily work for Council, right? Right, right, right. Um, yeah. So I, I think that there's a lot of information out there where, again, amazing that we can have these conversations um, and keep them respectful. Where I stand is based on my conversations with Sheriff Knowles, um, this is something that just doesn't make sense for us to even be pursuing right this second. Yeah. We have a great working relationship with the sheriff's office. Uh, whenever uh, he and I talk about this, he says the same thing to me and it's one of the most powerful things it's like if the city of spokane valley asked us to do something we would do it like name us a time that you've asked for something and we haven't delivered
0: one well, through the contract the sheriff's deputies do work at the you know for the citizens of the city of spokane valley and they also have to follow ordinances po- passed by the city council so by contract it seems like it makes the most sense for citizens and, and that's kind of the, the dialogue that you'd want a city council to have with citizens is, look, it sounds really good to do this,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but as soon as you start doing the math, it's a whole other It adds
2: up so fast. I've thrown out numbers like, you know, to certain city council members or the sheriff, you know, what would it actually take to start this? And I'm like, in my mind, just based on the research of other cities who are our size, have their own police department, what does that number look like? And, I mean, it's easily over $100 million. And right now our public, our public safety line item in our budget is $32 million, right? And
0: that's something that a lot of us don't realize. I didn't realize until I started actually looking at the budgets that our county's budget, two-thirds to three-quarters of the budget, is the criminal justice system. Yeah. And cities, you're looking at a large chunk of the budget also for law enforcement and fire coverage. I think the
2: next line item that's the second largest is in the $2 million range. So that tells you what the gap is is that thirty two million is for public safety, and the next one so for, that includes
0: fire coverage as well the, mm-hmm, the yeah all safety, of it yeah. yeah yeah it's it's a huge portion and and that is the fundamental role of local government to 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 do those services so we've got about a minute and a half left just uh, tell the listeners other things about the campaign trail, things that you would like them to hear about uh, your campaign
2: yeah, you know being able to knock on all these doors and meet these people um I've met a lot of different, I'll say a lot of different types of people with different types of opinions. And there are a few stories that stick out to me that I just wonder how many other people out there are like this who just need to know that they're heard. Um, I've met people who are, you know, out, I I walk up to the door and I think the person getting out of the car is the homeowner when in fact it's somebody who's doing like an Instacart delivery, right? And we get to talking in the driveway. There's one gal in particular, this has actually happened three times, but this one gal in particular, her car broke down and she had to get, uh, she had to get a new car, but then she had to start doing Instacart driving to pay for the new car, right? And you hear this and you think, Oh my gosh! This is so many people are having to do this, right? One thing happens in their lives, and so many other things have to shift just for them to survive, mm-hmm. right? And then there's another guy I met. This was hands down the most grumpy person that I met as that I've been doorbelling. Um, but he literally told me that he believes all politicians should be lined up and shot.
0: Wow! Right wow. to
2: my face, in front wow. of my seven-year-old daughter, who's carrying this, you know, the the rat cards, and I just I just looked at him, and I just felt like sir, I am and, and totally a, a God thing. I just felt so much compassion and sorrow for him. And I thought, wow, you've been hurt. You've been wrong. And I just, I asked him like, if you'd be open to sharing with me what happened that made you feel this way, I do want to hear it just citizen to citizen. And if not, I'll walk away from your driveway right now. No big deal. He definitely shared and went on about it. And a lot of it is, you know, just unfounded bitterness, but I I just want to say if you are that person or you know someone like that who's just so bitter toward government, I get it. I think we've all we all feel betrayed by yes. our leadership in some way, whether it be local, state, national. If we could just continue to focus on the public service aspect of this and the beauty of this constitutional and the republic. The things that are important. The things that are important. Again. It doesn't have to be about Who's right? Who's wrong? Which side are you on? And in the Valley, even, there's, I think there's more contention between Republican and Republican versus right and left.
0: That's right. Well, it, uh, we don't want to throw the ballot out with the bathwater because the ballots could be in hand. You want to get those ballots filled out. Today we were talking to Rachel Briscoe. That's VoteBriscoe.com. Out of time for today's show, but you're not out of time to vote. You can vote by the first uh, Tuesday in November. Unless you're a lunatic, you can do that vote on Wednesday. All that being said, folks, we'll be with you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective LLC and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.